0: Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first for there are many of you choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set it on fire. And so they did that and they cut it up into pieces and they set it on the altar. Then verse 28 says that they went on shouting louder because they were calling out to their God and their God wasn't answering. So they went on shouting louder and following their normal customs. They cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out and they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was still no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each tribe of Israel, and he used those stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold three gallons of water, and he piled wood on the altar, and he cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wool wood, and then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour that water over the offering and over the wood, and so they did that. And do the same thing again, he said. And when they had finished, he said, do it a third time. So they did it as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering an evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Just a few more verses. Remember, there was a famine in the land. So after this all happened, Elijah heads out, verse 43. He says to his servant, go and look toward the sea. And the servant went out and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time his servant said, I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from this sea. Verse 46, the Lord, sorry, verse 45. And soon the sky filled with black clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And the Lord ended the famine. God, again, we thank you for your word today. It brings life. We believe this is your word to us today, God, that you've inspired it by your spirit. And again, Lord, we just ask that you would illuminate what's here today to us, that would find good ground in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. A big chunk of scripture today, good story about Elijah, and we'll come back to that in a little while. But have you ever felt like you're not enough? like you're just not enough to get something done. Uh, I I feel this way all the time. Whenever I go into the kitchen, I I feel like I'm not enough. I can cook a little bit, you know, but when it comes to the other stuff in there, I'm just, I'm I'm not enough. And recently I was uh, hanging out, our kids have been here in Halifax for quite a while this summer, uh, and we're thankful to uh, Diana's mom and dad, their grandparents who have looked after them so much uh, through the summer, and my parents and and the family and whoever else, were thankful to everybody who's uh, hung out with the kids. But at one point, I was, um, I, I was doing meal prep. I was cooking supper, and uh, my father-in-law was helping me. And so he had the vegetables going, and I, I was getting this roast done. And has, does anybody have an Instapot? Like, they're awesome, right? So I had this roast in the Instapot. We get it out, and it's all looking good, and the vegetables are done, and everything is done. And then uh, Don looks at me. He's here today. Uh, he looks at me and says, so does this thing make gravy? And I looked at him and said, "Um, well, I don't know. It boils things. I I don't know if it makes gravy. And in that moment, in that moment, I feel like my father-in-law felt like he was not quite enough, you know, to get the gravy done. He could get the rest of it done, but the gravy. And so we sort of looked at each other, hobbled through it. But the kitchen is a place where I often feel like I'm not enough. Another place is uh, in a car. So I love driving. Um, But when those indicator lights start flashing at me, I totally feel like I'm not enough. Nathan feels like he's totally good. He can do whatever, change a tire, change a battery. I don't know what else, troubleshoot the vehicle. Not me. I don't feel like I'm enough. What about you? Are there times where you don't feel like you're enough? I don't like to dance. So at weddings, when everyone starts dancing, I really don't feel like I'm enough. I cling to the walls and the chairs and hang on tight. But have you ever felt like you're not enough? Maybe in the workplace, or maybe more spiritually in our, in our walk with the Lord, there have been times where I have not felt like I was enough. And part of that realization actually God works with, and he uses that to bring us closer to himself. Because we all have to realize we're not enough in order to accept the grace that Jesus provides for us. Amen? Are you with me, right? We need to realize that we can't get there on our own. We can't connect to God the Father on our own, right? We need Jesus. Amen? Yeah, we're in this broken world, and so we're broken, and we're given to a life of sin. And so it's by his grace, right, that we enter into the kingdom of God. That's the first step. So we're not enough. But then there's these other stages of life when we try to answer the call of God. And for me, many, many times, I've not felt like I was enough. And you might be able to relate. Many of you know that, like when I started in ministry, a lot of that was in the creative arts and worship, and I can tell you, I did not feel like enough. Diana will be laughing over here because she remembers these things. I, I couldn't sing. I couldn't even really play the piano. I couldn't do any of these things. But then God brought about opportunities, and I was faithful to step into them. And He made up the difference. Have you ever felt like you're not enough? It's actually not too much of a bad thing. And this morning, uh, Jordan was really kind in the introduction that I'm the you know, guest speaker or the special speaker. But really, we've got another special speaker here today who's phenomenal. All the way from India, graduated at the top of her grade two class. Will you give it up for Pastor Reverend Isabel Kosla? Hi, baby girl. How are you? Good. Good. Do you love Jesus? So she loves Jesus. She's in the kingdom of heaven. But just starting to answer the call of God on her life. So imagine there's a sign here that says answering the call of God. And we know that Jesus placed a call on all of us to go into all the world and. Okay, a little bit louder. Come on, go into all the world and. Right, preach the gospel and to make disciples. So we all have that that call. It, It expresses itself differently for different ones. But that's the call, going into all the world to preach the gospel. Are you ready to do it? Yes. And so just turn this way and look at me. So we get ready to go and to do that. But we are a little nervous. nervous. Just a little bit nervous. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe because we don't feel like we're enough to do what God has asked us to do. And so we get ready to step backwards into what God wants us to do. To step into what God wants us to do. And we're thankful because he has sent us. Keep looking this way. The Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes along. And while we feel inadequate and while we feel we're not enough, unbeknownst to us, the spirit of God has been released and he's around us and we're enough. And so when we take a step back into or a step forward into or to the right or the left or wherever God is calling us and we take that trust fall. He's there to catch us. Are you ready? Yes. Are you a little bit afraid? Yes. Are you a little bit nervous? All right, here we go. Ready? First time. Whoa. All right, come back up. So Isabel took a step into the call of God, and she answered it. So how did that feel? I don't know. You don't know? Are you still a little nervous to do it again? Yes. A little bit nervous still, but maybe a little more confident this time, because she's done it once, and she's seen that the Holy Spirit comes and catches her. So now you're ready to take a little bit of a bigger fall for the Lord, right? Here we go. One, two, three. Whoa. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and he rescues us again. And he proves himself faithful, even though we're not enough to do it on our own. But we step out and do something that is beyond ourselves. It could be as simple as reaching out to your neighbor. Or it could be heading over to the other side of the world to be a missionary. Or it could be loving on somebody at work that you just don't feel like you have the capacity to love. And we step out. And so how was that one that time? Good. It was good. Are you still nervous or not really? Not really. Not really nervous anymore because you've done it a couple times now, right? Okay, one more time. Now you're going to take a big fall for the Lord, stepping out into greater things for God. All right, come back up. Now, how did you feel about that one? It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. You see, the kingdom of God is just like that. Eventually, things become fun and full of joy. Thank you. You did an amazing job. Thank you. (laughs) Amazing job. But that's the kingdom of God. That is the life that Christ has has given to us. But so often, we, we, we just stop at salvation. And we've never tested the Lord in answering the call on our lives to see that he will prove himself faithful. The Bible talks about this. Jesus talks about this. Our spiritual journey is just like this. I'm not enough. Jesus reminds us of this in John 16, verse 5 and 8, where he says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you prove to be my disciples. Discipleship. There's a whole theme in John 15 of discipleship. And we can't disciple others unless we're connected to Christ. And that connection goes beyond just being rescued from this world of sin and being connected to God the Father and knowing that our salvation is assured. It has to do with reaching out. It has to do with growing and growing in our faith. You know, I was talking earlier before the service, and I was saying to somebody, you know, I actually don't think it takes a whole lot of faith to truly believe in Jesus. Because I think that as soon as we are aware of our fallen nature, as soon as we recognize that we are sinful, we're looking for a way out. I know that I've heard the testimonies of many people. We've been living in India now, and we have got friends who, have, who are Christians, but who were part of other religions before. And they were seeking God. They were in a posture of seeking. And they may have been in a a wrong religion and wayward, but they were seeking the true God. And as soon as they heard the message of Christ, they knew it to be true. I believe that's because there was a posture of seeking. It didn't take much faith for them, they say. But what does take faith is when God calls us to something that's beyond ourselves, that is beyond me. Making the gravy or the car breaks down. You don't know what to do. It's beyond you, beyond your skill set, beyond your comfort zone. For me, I never wanted to travel ever in my life. My dad's here today. You could ask him if my mom was here. She would recount the stories of trying to send me to summer camp. Wasn't good. I cried and cried. And, and, and one year I, I went because my brother was going. But then the next year, I just cried and cried and cried until she would finally gave up and relented and didn't send me. I was a homebody. I didn't want to go anywhere. Our life in ministry had been in Halifax for many, 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 many years. I was really uncomfortable to, to leave and even to travel. When I was younger, I would get panic attacks when I was traveling. Not many people know that. And it was awful. And then over time, the Lord called us to move to Ontario. I was not enough for that. Let me tell you. I was not enough. And it might seem seemingly small to some of you now, but that was a mountain for me. But the Lord was with us and gave us the grace by his spirit to do what he had called us to do the same way. He wants to empower you was the same way that he empowered me. And then I learned a little bit, just like that trust fall, went to Ontario. Then we moved somewhere else and then we've moved and traveled and we've been in India and we've been in different places, but it's by God's grace. And I think sometimes, Oh man, I would have missed out. I wouldn't have gotten to the fun spot that Isabel talked about in the Lord. Jesus said that we need to be connected to him because without him, we can do nothing. He also said in Luke twenty four forty one that he wanted to give us power from on high. So that we could be witnesses in verse 48. You are the witnesses of these things. Speaking of us heading out into Jerusalem and other places to share the gospel. You are the witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on on high, from on high. You see, they already believed in Jesus. They loved Jesus. He had raised from the dead. That work was already done. But he said to wait for something more. To wait for something more. That would empower them on the mission that God had called them to. John 16 says this in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus speaking. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. That if I go, he will come to you. The helper. Just like Pastor Jordan being the Holy Spirit here. Catching Isabel. As she takes a step backwards into the call of God. Here's the, here's the, the, the main question or the thing for us to wrestle with before we get to Elijah and then worship together. Why is it at times that we, in our spiritual walk, feel like we are more than enough? Why is it at times we feel like we don't, need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Why is it at times when worship is happening and the the presence of God is moving, maybe we don't have a, a response or a longing for more of him in our lives? Why is it that we find ourselves at times just going through some of the motions and not really feeling and sensing and knowing that the Holy Spirit is moving among us? Why is it that we feel that way? I believe it's because the life we're living at times doesn't demand it. You see, we're, we're blessed and, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. We are blessed living in North America. Even we're blessed. And I haven't traveled all over the place, but the little bit of traveling I've, I've done, I can see now in a different way, from a different perspective, just how blessed we are. My mom and dad immigrated from India and they used to tell me that, but it's one thing to experience it. We're we're blessed. There is not much that we are in need of materialistically, even though some of us might feel like, oh, I wish I could have that or this or whatever. We are blessed. We are blessed. If we become ill, we go to the doctor, the hospital, right? Don't have to worry about that. Generally, we can find food to eat, our needs are met sometimes i think we're not longing for god because we're dependent on our selves right And then you take that into our spiritual walk with him and you say, why is it that I I don't feel like when, you know, Nathan might call us into worship or someone invites us for prayer or somebody just says, do we need more of the Holy Spirit? Why is it that I don't really respond to that? And I think it's because even in our spiritual life, we are living lives that don't demand it. We're not living the risk-taking life that Jesus called us to, that may call us to move around or it might call us to do something that's outside of our comfort zone. And if we did that, then we would be looking for God. Where are you, Lord? where are you i need your help i need your holy spirit the disciples certainly did we don't have time to look at the scriptures today but the disciples certainly felt that way because they obeyed jesus when he said to go and wait what did they do they went and they waited and then acts two happens and pentecost happens and the church is birthed and miracles happen and they are empowered because they wanted to answer the call of god but what about you and i today Do we feel like we need that empowerment? Do we need more of the Holy Spirit today? Do we need an experience with him so that we know that as we go out and to love people in our community and to engage the call of God, that we will always have the capacity to do what he's calling us to do. It's kind of like Elijah. You know, when we look at the Old Testament, we need to pick up the lens of the New Testament and look back at these scriptures. And so what that means is simply that we live in the time where Jesus has paid the debt. We are connected to God through him. And so as we look back on the scriptures, Elijah was really the prophet. He was the man of God. Well, really that's you and I today. We're Elijah in this story. And there's three things I want to share with you really quickly before Nathan comes back and we pray together and worship the Lord. Three things that I want to share with you that will help you to live a life of risk-taking for God. That will put you in the position in a healthy way of not feeling like you are enough. And those are the moments where God comes and does amazing things. So three things that we want to look at from this passage of scripture, First Kings 18. The first thing is this, make it impossible so God gets all the glory. Make it impossible so that God gets all the glory. Verse 22 says, then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But there were 450 prophets of Baal. How do you like those odds? One prophet of the Lord, 450 prophets of Baal. You know, sometimes we're so numbers oriented, aren't we, in our day and age? And so we're we're into metrics and that's, that's good and healthy to know how we're doing. We get so numbers oriented. And if you were evaluating those numbers, 450 to one, how would you feel about those? I wouldn't feel like I'm enough. And it wasn't just 450 because Jezebel's prophets were also there. So it was actually 850 to one. Talk about making it impossible. But then Elijah takes it even a step further so God can get more of the glory and so that he can take his humanness out of it. And there's no question that the Lord is the one who answers. Verse 32 says, then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold three gallons of water. And he piled wood on the altar and he cut the bull into pieces and laid it down. Then he said, fill four jugs full of water and pour it over the offering and the wood. Then do it again and then do it again until all the water ran around in the trench. Now hold your laughter. I'm not an outdoorsy guy. don't need to laugh at how true that is. I don't know much about building things with wood and lighting fires, but I do know, pops, I think I know this, that if you soak something with wood, it's not really going to burn, right? No, no. Even I know that. Doesn't do it once, doesn't do it twice, does it three times, it's running all over the place. When was the last time that we did... Something for God that didn't have to do with cutting up a bull or building an altar out of wood. But when was the last time, you and I, when was the last time we did something for God that was so impossible? And Nathan used the word today, facilitating, when we were praying before the service. And it's such a great word. When was the last time we facilitated something? We didn't do it. God did it, but but we facilitated it. We put the situation together where he could show that he is God. When was, when was the last time? So often I think in our Christian walk, the emphasis is on what I can do, what I can give, what, what I can bring to the table. And that, that's good. But what, what can God do with what we bring? How does the Lord want to challenge us to be generous beyond giving, but to a place where we're stretched in our faith? We can do so much in our own strength. We can do so much in our own strength. But when was the last time we made it impossible so that God would get the glory? The third, sorry, the second uh, thought today, and I'll invite Nathan and Pete and the team back. Um, The second thought today is this, that if we want to live a life where we aren't enough, where God comes in and he makes up the difference, then we need to get an understanding of repentance and rebuilding. The idea of repenting, and rebuilding. Elijah made it impossible against all odds. 450 plus 400 just him. And then he said it says this. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel, verse 20. And Elijah stood in front of them and said, "How much longer will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him; if Baal is God, follow him." But the people were silent. The people were silent. Later on, the fire falls and the people confess that God is God. The Lord is God and they repent. Sometimes we've lost that, that, that idea of repentance. You know, we come into the kingdom and we know the Lord and we're connected to God through his son, Jesus. And we know, and we're conscious of the fact that we might make mistakes, but I don't know if we're conscious of the fact or the, the practice of repentance of coming to God, not with shame, but coming to him to say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. At the end of the day today, today was an okay day, but there were, there were times where I was disobedient. You know what, there were times with my spouse, I could have been a little more loving, a little more Christ-like. There are times with my family or my workplace, I could have been, represented you better. The idea of, of repenting. But sometimes I think that because we think we're enough, we don't think about that. The other aspect here is Rebuilding. Verse 30 says, then Elijah called the people to come over here and they all crowded around him as he began to repair the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one that represents each of the tribes of Israel to pull it back together. If you read first Peter, Peter talks about stones, but he talks about living stones. These stones are representative of God's people. And after Jesus comes, we all become God's people. Amen. Peter calls us living stones. Elijah rebuilds an altar. I'm being a little tough today, you know, it's not an easy word necessarily, but it's good. And here's the thing I'm challenging myself with and challenging you with today out of this passage, rebuilding, are there just some altars in our hearts that we need to rebuild today? Has our worship grown a little bit cold, a little less passionate? because we've let that altar come into disarray. Maybe worse than that, maybe there's some other gods that have invaded. Everything looks good on the outside, you're coming to church, your family doesn't know, but on the inside, that altar is torn down and broken. Elijah rebuilt the altar. If you wanna live a life that makes a demand on God's power, you see his glory shine through it. If you wanna feel like you're not enough when you face those amazing adventures, We gotta make sure that we rebuild the altars. Last point this morning is simply this, that we seek the power for a purpose, that we seek the power of the Holy Spirit for a purpose. I've grown up in a generation where there can be a lot of cynicism towards some of the things of God. I grew up in times of the charismatic renewal when we'd be in services for hours and it wasn't hard to be there. People wanted to be there. And that's not a, a judgment statement. It's just that God was sovereignly doing something and people want to be around for it. But over time, even myself included, there's a cynicism because why, why stand around the altar and why get all this power and feel all this glory and then and then not see people come to know Christ not do anything with it and I'm so thankful for this church, this local body we love this church Isabel turned to me today and said I love Faith Tabernacle. we love this church and one of the things that I love is, is the balance between missional outreach and times of prayer uh, of experiential worship and reaching out to the folks that uh, have less than us and, and, and there's a balance and with that There's a coming and a going. The Holy Spirit comes and he flows into us and then we pour it out. See, seeking the power of the Spirit with a purpose. And that's what we see here in this chapter. We stop so often at the fire. Amen? We stop so often at the fire. In in the chapter, the story of the fire, it came down and consumed the sacrifice. And everybody said, the Lord is God. But that's not the point of the chapter. It starts with, There is a famine in the land and it ends with God ending the famine. And I'd submit to you today that there is a spiritual famine in our country, in our province, in our city, in our communities. There is a spiritual famine that will not end until Jesus Christ returns and breaks the sky and comes back as our King. It will not end fully, but we have a part to play in this in-between time to bring refreshing to our neighbors to bring love to our communities, to bring people into the kingdom of God, to help end the spiritual famine. But too often, this is the cynicism part that I grew up with, we stop at the fire. God answers, he comes, he brings fire, then we stop. And we don't take that power to the next level, to the next place, to the next calling. And in this case for Elijah, it was to bring an end to the famine. What about you? super saint in here today that you've had 30 years of great battles and great wins for God and great moves of the spirit but maybe the last four or five years have been a little bit more dry what about you young father you got a family now and family becomes this responsibility but really I'm sorry to say today sometimes it becomes the excuse for not doing things in the kingdom of God that God has called us to. Let me tell you this, you wanna put your family first, the best way that you can do that is by putting God first. He loves your kids more than you do. He loves your kids more than you do. What is about you, businessman or businesswoman? If I just make a little bit more, then I can give God this much. If I just do this, then I will do that. When God is saying, no, 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 no. Do it now. Make it impossible. Make it impossible so that I can get the glory. Seeking power with a purpose. Seeking power with a purpose. Today, as we wrap this up, I just want to invite you to stand with me. We're gonna worship the Lord here in a couple of moments seeking the power of God with a purpose you know when you do things for the Lord you do get tired it's like anything you get tired when you work you get tired when we do things for God we get tired our faith gets tired at times we need to be refreshed in God What's so beautiful about the story of Elijah is if you read chapter 17, Pastor Jordan, take a read this afternoon, chapter 17, you'll find that Elijah was really tired. And God said, lay by this brook and I'm going to send the ravens to you and they're going to bring you food and you'll have water. You'll be refreshed. Then he goes into this great battle, this epic story that ends the rains fall. And then someone says, he gets the message that they want to kill him. And then all of a sudden Elijah is like Isabel up here the first time terrified how is that possible the man of God who just slew all the prophets of Baal an epic victory and the rain is falling and now he's terrified why because it's just like you and me just like you and me God does something and it's amazing and we want to camp out on that and rest on that for the rest of our lives when really he's got another thing for us to do And we can't even imagine it. But the reason we can't imagine a church is because we're not allowing him to refresh us the way he wants. Chapter 19, Elijah goes on the run and God meets him, still small voice, and says, I'm gonna look after you. Go and rest and I'll provide for you. And he refreshes him. This morning in the atmosphere of the spirit, I just ask you to close your eyes, bow your head with me. We're gonna worship in just a moment. But this is the moment to respond today. This is the moment to say, yeah, God, I'm, I'm in all the way. I'm in all the way. And then as Nathan leads us in worship, we're going to spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence and he's going to refresh you. But this is the moment. This is like when Elijah stood before them and said, stop halting between two opinions, make a choice. And those people remain silent. Don't remain silent today. First fruit for you today who might be here, who don't know much about what we're talking about. You don't know much about Jesus, but you do sense God here. You sense something and you know you need to respond to it. Maybe you've known the Lord before, but you've fallen away. Maybe everybody on the outside thinks everything is great, but you know on the inside, it's a disaster and you're far from God. With every head bowed and eyes closed, giving you privacy today. We don't want to embarrass you in any way. But if that's you, I just invite you to shoot your hand up in the air, to raise your hand. I want to pray for you today don't want to embarrass you, but we want to pray for you. If that's you today, if you know that you need to reach out to Jesus, you know, you know that you need to make some things right with God, just ask you to lift your hand. Lord, you see our hearts today. Lord, you see the hands, Lord, you see the hearts, you see right where we are and you meet us there. Holy Spirit, I just pray for these people that have taken a step towards you. Would you run towards them? Lord, I pray they would feel your love today. Lord, those who don't know you and have no framework for uh, the kingdom of God, Lord, for the church and for Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would give them good relationships, that they would get connected, well-connected, Lord, and the seed that you've planted in their hearts today would find good ground and grow. Lord, we pray for them. If you're not responding to that call today, I just pray that you would intercede here. We believe for these folks, God, that nothing would snatch away the good thing that you have done in their hearts today, Lord. Draw them close to you. The second thing, folks, myself included today, heads bowed, eyes closed. But if you know today that you have been feeling like you are enough, that you got it under control, if you know today that you've been feeling like, hey, you know what? I haven't really done anything risk-taking for God. If you know today that the Lord is challenging you to take it up a few notches like Elijah and make it impossible. If you know today the Lord is challenging you to not seek the power or experiences of the Holy Spirit without purpose, but to seek them with purpose. If you feel like today you need to repair some altars and repent and rebuild, I just invite you to lift your hands with me. My hands are lifted. I need more of God in my life today. Just invite you to lift your hands all across this place as we pray together. Holy Spirit, we love you, and we invite you to come and do only what you can do. As we worship Jesus today, as we lift him up higher here in these next few moments, would you shower down with your presence, with your power, God? Would you touch these people, Lord, so they are empowered to reach their communities, so they are empowered, God, to make it impossible for you? Help us, God. Holy Spirit, come, 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 come and move here. Come and move here. Come and move, Lord, as we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.